This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Mr. District Attorney is a radio crime drama produced by Samuel Bischoff, which aired from 1939 to 1952. In other words, a very long time. The series focused on a crusading DA, initially known only as Mr. District Attorney, or Chief, created, written, and directed by former law student Ed Byron. The series was inspired by the early years of New York Governor Thomas E. Dewey, It was Dewey's public war against racketeering, which led to his election as governor. Phillips H. Lord, creator of Gangbusters, helped to develop the concept and coined the title. Byron lent an air of accuracy and immediacy to his scripts through close study of crime statistics, a library of criminology texts, following the newspapers, and even going around rough bars to gain tips, background, and color from crooks and police alike. His technique sometimes enabled Byron to predict major crime waves before the news broke. Produced through his run in New York City, the series began as a 15-minute serial, becoming a half-an-hour self-contained series just three months later as a summer replacement for The Bob Hope Show. During 1942, Mr. District Attorney began battling Nazis, leading to conflicts with the FBI when the scripts reflected life too closely. Tonight's episode is entitled Setup for Reentry. The Mutual Broadcasting System proudly presents Mr. District Attorney. Mr. District Attorney, champion of the people, defender of truth, guardian of our fundamental rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Mr. District Attorney, transcribed, starring Jay Justin in the title role, Len Doyle as Harrington, and Vicki Vola as Miss Miller. And it shall be my duty as District Attorney, not only to prosecute to the limit of the law, all persons accused of crimes perpetrated within this county, but to defend with equal vigor the rights and privileges of all its citizens. Mutual Broadcasting System invites you to listen to Mr. District Attorney. 
Two men are meeting in an expensive residential hotel on the outskirts of Paris, France. One is Melvin Renshaw, American sportsman, social leader, and lawyer. The other is his only client, Rocky Ritano, multimillionaire racketeer, deported by the United States Justice Department two years previously. Okay, Renshaw, so it's not a permanent visa. It's a passport, ain't it? It'll get me back into the States, won't it? Only for six months, Rocky. That's long enough. All I want to do is get rid of Lenny and floss on the narcotics end and uh, take care of Lomazzo trying to horn in. The immigration boys are smart, Rocky. All we can alter in this passport is the picture. You'll have to bleach your hair and grow a mustache to come anywhere near the description. So in Paris, they got the best beauty parlors in the world. And I got a month to grow the mustache. Very well. You can sail on the Queen from Cherbourg on the 18th of next month. I'm flying home tomorrow. Right. Oh, uh, and by the way, I assume that uh, you're expecting to stay with us while you're in town. My wife uh, will be delighted to have you as our guest. She, uh, say so? Well, frankly, no. But she doesn't have to. I'll tell her. When do I get the passport? I have it with me. Say, you're getting cute or something. Come on, let's have it. It's made out in the name of Lebrec. Henri Lebrec. Perhaps uh, you'd better learn to pronounce it. Never mind the comedy cracks, Gimme. Getting back into the States means a lot to you, doesn't it, Rocky? Yeah, yeah. Let me have the passport. Let me see. You'll net at least a million on the narcotics deal alone. Then you have at least that much still on deposit under assumed names. Okay, Rancho. Quit stalling. What's the bite this time? The bite? Oh, yes. Your lamentable lapses into the vernacular must be excused. However, Rocky, the uh, bite, as you so quaintly put it, is $100,000. Just let me have it in cash. Checks are so easily traced. It's nice to see my favorite court reporter back. And nice of you to drop up here to the office and say hello. How was Europe? Oh, Europe is terrific. <laughs> Especially Paris. Hey, you picked up a cold, huh? No, oh, a butte. Better take care of it. I am. Do uh, district attorneys ever eat cough drops? Hmm? Here, have one. No, no, thanks. Made in France? Yeah. Pour la malaise de la gorge. You know what's amazing the way everybody in France speaks French? Yeah. Even the kids? <laughs> Any sensational cases while I was away? No, not a thing new. I believe you're familiar with the situation on the waterfront. Well, that reminds me. Yeah, what? Funny thing, I ran across a guy on the Queen coming back that I can't get out of my mind. Yeah? His name was Lebrec. Lebrec. Henri Lebrec. Oh, should I know him? I don't know. I got a feeling I should. It's like trying to remember the name of a tune. Got the craziest notion I've seen him somewhere before, somewhere important. Like a rogues gallery. trying to figure if I should take it home or take it to the fights tonight. Where's <laughs> the sports page in this rag? And... Ah, here it is. Wow. 
So Melvin Renshaw has been made chairman of the Boxing Commission. <laughs> the show must have been hard up. Hey. What, Mr. Jansen? Melvin Renshaw. Rocky Rotano's shyster lawyer. Johnny, I remember now. Remember what? I remember the face. Here, Johnny, keep the change. I'm going to make a fast call on the chairman of the Boxing Commission. Who knows? I might get into a fight myself. <laughs> Melvin, please. Mona, I don't want to argue about it. I will not have Rocky Rotano in my house. Shut up. He'll hear you. Well, I won't. It may be your house, but Rocky bought it. He's paid for everything we've got. He's my only client, and he's staying with us for as long as he's in town. Now go get yourself another headache, or go to bed, or go to... Go somewhere. Melvin, I... I know you don't love me. But that man in the same house as the child Catherine's age is... Well, surely as a mother, I'm entitled to some consideration. Listen, Mona, everything you're entitled to, you've got. You've got me and this house. You wanted security, you've got it. I wanted your respectability. Now, if you expect to continue to live this way, I suggest that you make our guests stay pleasant. Yes. Wally Jansen, Associated News. Well? Mind if I come in? I'm afraid I'm busy. Oh. <coughs> I got a terrible cold. I think I must have caught it on A deck of the Queen Elizabeth. Um, come in. Thanks. Come into my den. We can talk quietly in there. Okay. home you've got here. Thanks. In here. Thank you. All right, Jensen. What's on your mind? I'm in a hurry. Rancho, I've got a crazy notion. A guy named Henri Lebrecht had the cabin across from me on the Lizzie. Get to the point. Oh, I've got a crazy notion his name wasn't really Lebrecht. That's all? I think it was Rotano. Rocky Rotano. How interesting. Mm-hmm. Your picture in the paper reminded me that you're his lawyer. It also reminded me who Henri Lebrecht looked like. Where is he, Renshaw? Hiding him in a closet someplace? Mr. Rotano is in Paris. He was deported. You know that as well as I do. Oh, but he's back, isn't he? Back to reorganize the rackets. Back to straighten out a few things. Jack the rough boys up a bit. Tighten up the waterfront. Am I right? Jansen, you're a good reporter. It's unfortunate that you can't have a longer career. Oh, now, Renshaw, no guns. I'll get Hopalong Cassidy after you. Do that. In the meantime, I'll get somebody after you. Somebody who really knows how. Rocky, come in here, will you? I always say it's silly to beat around the bush. Don't you, Jensen? Oh, so he is he. Yes. But the information won't be of much use to you. It will be to the DA's office. He's a friend of mine. Oh? 
A very close friend. I'm glad you told me. I heard somebody at the door, so I was staying in my room. And... Oh. Bravo. His name is Jansen, Rocky. Wally Jansen. Associated News. Cabin 29A. He was on the Queen. Small world, isn't Rocky? Yeah. Too small. For you, not for me. Rocky, you did pretty well. Bleached hair, mustache. Too bad the guy across the hall had to be a close friend. Friend, George, a dog yet? In an hour. Give me your gun. Yeah. Get the car out quick. Right. Jansen, I've been working for months to re-enter the USA. I'm real fond of this country. Well, it's too bad it's mutual. So I can't let anything spoil it. I want you to know I got nothing against you personally. I'm relieved to hear that. Smart, aren't you? Jansen, it's too bad. I'm sorry, but uh, I got news for you. You're gonna die. Turn at Brand Street, Renshaw. Turn out into Pier 13. I'm glad you aren't superstitious, Rocky, but let's get this over with. What are you going to do? You'll see. Listen, Rocky, this has gone far enough. You can't get away with this. The DA knows about Fabrek. Yeah, well, he won't be around to print the story, and by that time, I'll be out of the country. There's no plan on leaving without me. I don't want to be left holding the bag. You're on your own from now on, Renshaw. If it hadn't been for you, I wouldn't be in this jam. Okay, newsboy, get out. All right, Rocky, I'm telling you. The DA's office is just waiting for something like this. He's my friend. He'll have a stop till he gets you. All right. Start walking. Turn around and face the water. Now, Rocky, don't do it. Too bad. Kind of a nice guy. We'll return to Mr. District Attorney in just a moment. Some like it hot with the fierce clash of man's war against crime. And some like it cold with the dedicated purpose of a vigilant fight against evil. And some like it with a touch of the unknown, flavored with a hint of the weird and the unusual. But practically everybody likes a good mystery. For all lovers of the eerie and the mysterious, Mutual brings program to suit any preference. There's Counterspy, the spine-tingling exploits of David Harding, and his everlasting battle to preserve our country's security. High Adventure stars the hero, George Sanders, and dramatizes thrilling moments from the lives and places of peril throughout the world. While Bulldog Drummond presents the suave and sophisticated private detective, played by Sir Cedric Hardwick. And with his own unique brand of hair-raising narration, Peter Lorre brings you Nightmare, featuring tales of the unexplainable. With great stars and great shows, you can't go wrong when you dial Mutual for Mystery. Walk hand-in-hand hand with suspense, danger, and intrigue. Hear Counterspy, High Adventure, Bulldog Drummond, and Nightmare every week over most of these stations. <laughs> Now back to Mr. District Attorney and the case of setup for re-entry. I can't believe it. 
I just can't believe that anybody had killed Wally Jensen. Well, somebody has, Miss Miller. Yeah, when's the autopsy due, Chief? Two hours, and there'll be an official report. Say, Harrington, we've got to crack this. But who would do it, Chief? Wally Jansen didn't have an enemy in the world. All court reporters have enemies, Miss Miller. Where did they find him? On some rocks under the pilings of Pier 13, oh. near the old brewer's warehouse. Yeah. Who was on the waterfront beat? O'Brien found him. He heard shots and went down to the pier to investigate. He heard Jansen moaning. By the time O'Brien fished him out of the water, he was dead. Well, didn't he... Didn't he say anything? Well, he mumbled something about the rocks. I tell you, I'll get whoever did this. It was the last thing I do. This sort of thing makes me as mad as, as a rookie on his first beat with a gang war going on in the back alley. Jansen was a good reporter and a good friend. He never did a mean thing in his life. Oh, I'll get that, Chief. Yes, Ruth. Who? You mean uh, Johnny the newsboy at the corner? Mm-hmm. Well, tell him we're busy to make it some other time, huh? Information about Jansen. What's that? All right, send Johnny in. Our amateur detective at the corner newsstand has a clue. Well, Johnny thought a lot of Wally Jansen. As we all do. Yes, come in, Johnny. Hello, Mr. Harrington. Hi, Johnny. Johnny. Hope I'm not disturbing you. Well, Johnny, we are pretty busy. What's on your mind? Well, sir, I've got some information I think the district attorney's office ought to have. Yes, all right. Shoot. Well, yesterday, Mr. Jansen bought a paper for me, see? Yeah. Flips real quick to the sports page, and there's a picture, see? A picture of whom? The guy that was made head of the boxing commission, Renshaw. Renshaw? Melvin Renshaw? That's right, Chief. Well, what's the connection? Yeah, go on, Johnny, go on. Well, then Wally said something about... How about Rocky Ritano, shyster lawyer? Rocky Ritano. Yes, anything else? Oh, yes, sir. I think Wally went to see him. Renshaw? Yes, sir. To his house? Well, he, he didn't say. Rocky Ritano. The biggest gangster the crime commission flushed out of hiding. Yeah, yeah, but, Chief, he was deported. Two years ago. Well, it's, it's fantastic, and yet... No, no, he'd never get by immigration. Not in a thousand years. Now, Harrington, we have only one little clue, but I intend to make a case out of it. We're going up to pay an informal call on Melvin Renshaw. Right, would you, Chief? Somehow, Rocky Rotano is back in the USA. That's the way I want it. Yeah, I'm at Renshaw's now. Yeah, he's right here. The meeting's tonight. Ten o'clock in the brewer's warehouse I own, near Pier 13. Have some liquor and food sent over first. I want everybody comfortable. Yeah. Real comfortable. Okay. You think Floss and Lamazo will turn up, Rocky? As well as they know what's good for them. I can hear them trembling from here. Yeah, trying to remember the double crosses. Figuring because I was in Paris, I wouldn't know. Brother. You better take it easy. Why? <laughs> you still worrying about that reporter? Oh, I think the warehouse is a bad place for a meeting. His body will be 20 miles out into the ocean by now. The channel current is fast. Just the same. You better take it easy. I'll take it easy, all right. With six Thompson submachine guns. That's how I'll take it easy. Uh, 
That's Renshaw's house there, Harrington. Yeah, it's a big white one, Chief. Mm-hmm. Belt and paid for on legal fees from Rocky Ritana. No decent lawyer would handle his affairs. Say, hey, wait a minute. What? What's here? Here, here on the sidewalk. This. What's this? An empty cough drop package. Call on Elaise de la Gorge. Yeah, what's that? Say, hey, this was Wally Jansen's. Come on. You don't really think Ritana will be in the house, do you, Chief? If he is, he'll be sorry. Someday we'll nail the goons behind him, too. The ones that weren't deported. Yes? Oh, you must be Mrs. Renshaw, hmm? Yes, I am. Now, is your husband at home? I'm sorry he's out. And I'd like to talk to you. I'm sorry, I haven't time. You'll have to excuse me. I'm afraid I can't excuse you, Mrs. Renshaw. Here's my identification. I'm the district attorney. Please, please stop asking me questions. I'm not well, and I'm very nervous, and I can't tell you anything. Rocky Rotano is back, isn't he? I don't know. Now, please, leave me alone. He's been here. No. But you've seen him, haven't you? Tell me. Yes, yes. Now, stop it and leave me alone. Dear God, I wish I was dead. I have no friends, and nobody cares whether I live or die. Your little girl loves you. She cares. <laughs> and we're your friends. That's right, Mrs. Renshaw. Where is he, Mrs. Renshaw? I, I can't. They'd kill me. Now, Mrs. Renshaw, if you tell us, I promise you that I'll take care of you. I'll put you and your little girl on the 20th floor of the Broadmoor Hospital and keep two policemen outside your door day and night. Only you've got to help us. Do, do you mean that? You promise? On my word as district attorney. Well, they're, they're having some sort of meeting yes. tonight at 10. There's several of them. I don't know how many. Where? I listened on my extension upstairs. The Brewer's Warehouse on Pier 13 on the South River. You clear on everything, Harrington? Right, Chief. I want every one of them. Preferably alive. But if necessary, dead. Now here. Here's a map of Pier 13 and the streets around it. The sound truck will be here. Right. Now, the red circles indicate searchlight squads, Chief. Right. I'll be here with a walkie-talkie. I have two police boats in the river channel just in case they try to get away by water. Right. Okay. Let's get going. See you later, Miss Spiller. See me later? What do you mean? Well, what I say. Good night. Chief, the only way you can keep me off Pier 13 tonight is to fire me. Waterfront. Well, it'll be a lot cleaner when tonight's over. That's Harrington. Yes, Harrington? Road barricade on Branch Street. Okay, Chief. Check. Police boats? Police boats 14 DR 6 and 7, station mid-channel, opposite Pier 13. Tear gas? Guns issued. Others in position? Baird and Evans at the rear of the warehouse. Good shelter behind northeast corner of the building. Everything set. Everybody in position. Okay. Not a move until I give the signal. Now, we settle down and wait. Yes, but not for long. It's after ten. Oh, oh this is going to be a beauty. Now stay in the shadow of the fence, Miss Spinner. Sorry, Chief. I wish there wasn't so much moon. Yes, Harrington? Black sedan just passed the road barricade on Branch. 
Grant Street, Chief. Okay, Harrington. We'll wait until the next car passes. Are they coming? Yeah, listen. Our first guest? Mm-hmm. Keep your fingers crossed. Right. And stay in the shadows. These men are killers. Can you see? Five of them going into the warehouse. Yes, Harrington? Second car passing Grant Street Barricade, Chief. Mm-hmm. Green Cadillac. Five men. Ten of them. Rocky Rotano's whole mob. Ready with the searchlights, Harrington. Ten, fifteen thousand waters. Harrington. Chief. When I switch off, connect my mic into the loudspeakers on the sound truck. Check. And just remember the Thompson submachine guns fire 600 bullets a minute. Be careful. Right. Okay, I'm switching off. Give them the lights in five seconds. One, two, three, four, five. Why, Chief, it, it, it's like daylight. All right, Rattano. You're surrounded. Come out with your hands up. All of you. The warehouse is surrounded. The pier is covered by police boats. Come out with your hands up. Chief, are wait, they com- wait. Mr. District Attorney and the payoff in today's case history of waterfront crime. Set up for re-entry. Four cops killed. So help me, every one of those guys will get the chair. Fellas, stay back. It's Harrington. He's coming over. Right under their guns, he's coming over. Fool, what's the matter with him? He's gone crazy. They hit the sound truck and broke the equipment. I wasn't receiving you. Well, I'll try the police boat. Police boat 14, DR6. Can you hear me? He's not receiving you. Oh, they couldn't have gotten the boats, could they, Harrington? No, they were firing away from the water. Police boat DR6, not receiving you. Give them the tear gas guns. Sound two blasts on your whistle if you receive and understand this order. Over. Oh, what's the matter with that police boat? Can't they do something with their equipment? Mm. Chief, there's their whistle. They hurt you. Yes. Well, there are the tear gas guns. That'll bring them out, driving crazy. Burn their eyes black. Chief, look. What? What is it? Over there, a, a man coming there. out of the warehouse. Yeah. Hey, hey, that's Rocky. Rocky Rotano. He's coming this way. Oh, keep quiet. Chief, Chief, don't be crazy. That man's a killer. I've been waiting for this. Watch me, Harrington. Maybe you can get his gun. Brian, get me, copper. He's trying to get away. Oh, Chief, you can't fight him with your bare hands. That's the way I want it. Okay, Rocky. And there's another one for Wally Jensen. His gun, Harrington, he's dropped it. Yeah, I got him. What's the matter, Rocky? Don't like fighting with your fists, eh? I'll pay off. I'll pay off. Pay me for Wally Jensen's life. There isn't that much dough in the world. Chief, are you all right? Yes, I never felt better in my life. Boys are coming out the warehouse. It's over. All right, get Rocky out of the water, Harrington. That's a fish I'm going to fry personally. (laughs) 
moment, a final report from Mr. District Attorney. There's something in the air, something new in Mutual's air. Star names in the stellar productions are adding their shine to the glittering roster of outstanding entertainment on your Mutual station. Such famous luminaries as Madeline Carroll, Arlene Francis, and Betty Clooney bring you programs that run the gamut from serious drama to gay humor to popular music. And that's not all, not by far. There are Sir Cedric Hardwick, Peter Laurie, David Ross, Duncan Hines, Edward Arnold, Jay Justin, and George Sanders as well. So many stars, it's almost breathtaking. And you'll find the kind of programming they bring you is breathtakingly different, too. Their shows on Mutual are new in many ways. You'll find they add a brand new slant to your concepts of entertainment. But that's not all, either. Your own favorite time-tested stories and characters are not neglected. Some of the most famous fiction creations that ever saw the light of day bring you their ever-popular kinds of listening pleasure. Remember, it's your mutual station that has something different. Stay tuned throughout the day, throughout the week, and hear for yourself over most of these same stations. Ladies and gentlemen, every member of the Ritano gang was captured. As a result, one of the most vicious narcotic springs in the country was broken. Rocky was convicted and sent to the electric chair for Wally Jansen's murder, leaving Mrs. Renshaw free at last to bring up her little daughter in dignity and security. The names of all characters in this transcribed dramatization are fictitious, and any resemblance to names of living persons or actual places is purely coincidental. Our stars were Jay Justin in the title role, Len Doyle as Harrington, and Vicki Bola as Miss Miller. Mr. District Attorney was produced by Bernard L. Schubert, written by Harry Junkin, and directed by Leslie Harris. Mr. District Attorney was originated by Phillips H. Lohr. Stay tuned for The Fred Allen Show next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for The Fred Allen Show. Now, Fred Allen was noted for his battles with network officials during his radio years, which often led to censoring of a few moments to minutes of the show. To try to control this behavior, network officials began making Allen submit verbatim scripts prior to air for their approval. Oft-times, network officials would make Allen delete or revise a joke here and there before approving the script for approval. And in retaliation, Allen began inserting jokes in his script he had no intention of using on the air, but used them as bargaining chips for the network, agreeing to cut certain jokes in exchange for others. In addition, Allen would often ad-lib material, and since most radio programs in those days were broadcast live with the exception of the occasional delay here and there, the audience would sometimes hear a bleep in place of a word or a phrase. Well, let's see if there are any bleeps in tonight's show, as Frank Sinatra is the special guest. <laughs> the makers of Tenderleaf Tea and Blue Bonnet Margarine present the Fred Allen 
Show with Fred's guest, Frank Sinatra. Portland Hoffa, Minerva Pius, is Mrs. Nussbaum, the Tenderleaf Workshop Players, the DeMarco Sisters, and Al Goodman and his orchestra. And to the lady who sent me the anonymous fan letter, my name is Kenny Delmar. This week, ladies and gentlemen, our victorious naval forces have been coming home on battleships, cruisers, and carriers. Tonight, another flat top has just arrived, and here he is, Fred Allen! Thank you, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Well, Kenny, I hope you are celebrating the uh, fleet's return. Oh, yes, Fred. Well, New York has gone all out to welcome the Navy. Oh, I know. Last night, they had 80 men rocking the Astor Hotel to make the sailors feel at home who were sleeping there. <laughs> and in that picture at Music Hall, you know, weekend at the Waldorf, they took out Walter Pigeon and put in a seagull just for the Navy. <laughs> Wish some of the Navy had come in to laugh at these jokes, you know. <laughs> Well, uh, Steve, wasn't Jack Benny in the Navy, Fred? Jack Benny in the Navy? Oh, that was before water was even invented. <laughs> they had the H, but they were waiting for the two O's to come out of the Ark in those days. <laughs> you know that Benny is the only sailor I know who can get seasick looking at a bundle of wet wash? <laughs> Benny was in the only naval engagement of the Civil War. Oh, you mean the Monitor and the Merrimack? Benny was on the Monitor. When the lookout yelled, Ahoy! The Merrimack's astern! Then he said, have them sing something. <laughs> you think it would have worked better with four chicks and a chuck? If it... <laughs> you know, if Benny... If Benny was a... If Benny was a sailor... Mr. Uh... Allen! Mr. Allen! Well, Portland... Just in, you're just in time, Portland. Kenny and I were discussing the arrival of the Navy. Oh, everybody's celebrating. Oh, I know that. Admiral Halsey was on Bob Hope's program last week. Yes, Admiral Halsey is braver than I thought. <laughs> Do you know why Admiral Halsey came on at the end of Bob's program? Well, why did Admiral Halsey come on at the end of the Bob Hope program? He's a rear admiral. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's, it's your joke. You enjoy it. <laughs> Tell me, is your, is your mother going to participate in the Navy Day festivities? Mama's going to be in the parade of ships. Oh, she's going as Hesperus the Hesperus, is she? No, Mama's going to wear her new corset. Her new corset, huh? Mama's going as old Ironside. Oh. <laughs> Say, I hope she doesn't carry the impersonation too far. How? Well, if your mother thinks she's old Ironside... She may try to back into some dry dock and get scraped for barnacles. <laughs> and speaking of barnacles, I wonder if everything is ship-shaped down in Allen's Alley. Have you a question for them tonight? Oh, you bet. You know, since gasoline rationing has ended, traffic congestion in the larger cities has become one of the nation's greatest problems. And so our question is, how is the traffic dilemma affecting you? Shall we go? As the two sticks said when they saw the tom-tom, let's beat it. Ah, it's so good to be back in Allen's Alley again, Portland. I wonder if the senator is in tonight. Let's see. Somebody, I say, somebody thumped on my door. Yes, Senator. I represent the solid town. Well, I know. I loaned Mason and Dixon the chalk the day they drew the line. <laughs> well, I, uh... Speak up, son, out with 
did speak up. Up that ear. Well, look. You'll never get anywhere staying silent. Well, if you don't just... try to be another Coolidge, son. <laughs> look, Senator, tell me, how are traffic conditions in Washington? We're investigating. Congressman Coffee is boiling. Well, <laughs> well. Coffee's boiling. That's a joke, son. I... Pay attention, son. Be on your toes. Well, I'm doing that. Yeah, you keep missing them, son. Well, I... <laughs> Senator, look. The streets are filled with cars. What is the solution of the nation's traffic problem? One, I say, one-way traffic. One-way traffic. Yeah, Monday's all traffic moves only to the east. Yes. Tuesday's all traffic moves only to the west. Yes. Wednesday's east, Thursday's west. Uh Uh-uh. Now, wait a minute, Senator. What about the north and south? Son, that was settled by the Civil War. (laughs) Oh. Yeah, well, so long. (laughs) So long, that is. you through the keyhole, Senator. The Senator dropped a picture of Jefferson Davis. Oh, well, I'll give it to him next Sunday. Now, let's see what happens here at this next door. Howdy, bub. Well, <laughs> well Mr. Moody, you, uh, you look a little tired tonight. Yeah, I've been on the go all day. Busy, huh? Yeah, I'm working for a tree surgeon. Tree surgeon? I go around leaving Kleenex under Weeping Willard. Not so messy a feel that way, is it? Well, tell me, Mr. Moody, how do you account for this traffic problem? So many automobiles. It's progress, Bob. Progress? Yeah. Hoover said he'd put a car in every garage. Yes. Truman's got two cars parked in front of every house. <laughs> what do you think is causing the parking trouble, uh, Mr. Moody? Oh, it's the housing shortage. The housing shortage, huh? Yeah. Folks is living in garages and putting their cars out on the street. Well, how are we going to cope with this traffic problem, Mr. Moody? I'm a pedestrian. And your solution is? Every motorist should drop dead. Come on, Bob. Mr. Moody ought to get in touch with the mayor or Campbell to sell. Now, let's try this next door. No? Ah, Mrs. Nussbaum. You were expecting maybe Commissar Musselsaw? <laughs> Tell me, Mrs. N., are you concerned with the traffic problem? Indubitably. <laughs> You'll pardon the expression. Oh, naturally. <laughs> well, how, how are you concerned? Well, I'm inviting all my relatives for a big fish dinner. I see. I'm calling downtown the Fulton Fish Market. Uh-huh. Mr. Fulton is driving uptown with 20 sturgeon. Oh, the whole dinner is nothing but sturgeon, huh? Well, the sturgeon I'm cooking all different kinds style. Oh, good, good. Sturgeon a la king. Yeah. Sturgeon cacciatore. Oh, Sturgeon burgers. Sturgeon burgers. Uh, uh, you, uh, you have, with the dinner, you have dessert? For dessert, I'm, stir- I'm serving sturgeon a la mode. Stur- sturgeon went upstream in the sentence there. Too. Sturgeon. You're serving sturgeon a la mode? This is a baked sturgeon. And pop is a cold sturgeon. A la mode. 
Well, with this traffic congestion, Mr. Fulton can't drive up to the Bronx, can he? It is impossible. Well, how does he get your fish uptown? Every Friday, Mr. Fulton downtown is throwing 20 sturgeon in the Hudson River. Well, how do the 20 sturgeon find their way up to the Bronx? Ah, Mr. Fulton is throwing in a herring and yelling, Boys, follow him. Well, that brings us to the last house in the alley. Hello, hello, ready to say hello. Just a minute, just a minute, boys. Before you get into your theme song, tell me, have you written any new songs for us this week? Have you heard? I put a blank check in my pajamas at night in case I have to buy that dream. <laughs> no. Have, have you heard? My Irene's the village queen, but she's always taking Benzedrine. No. We also wrote a blue song. Blue song? What is it called? I got to walking up Fifth Avenue, crossing 59th Street, stepping over the gutter on my way uptown blues. Now, look, boys, look. <laughs> look, tonight we, we happen to be mulling over the traffic problem. We got just a song you want. Traffic song? How does it go? Yes, Jim. <laughs> if you're a motorist in New York, you can drive your car a block. In the traffic, you get jammed, and your ear and you get rammed. Don't just sit there at the wheel, looking like a big schlemiel. Take a tip from me, use the BMT, and sell your old If you'll step into the junior missus department, we'll meet the five DeMarco sisters, with Maestro Al Goodman at the baton, the DeMarco sing, the Atchison, Topeka, and the you-know-what.
maestro Al Goodman has just played I Wish from the song I Wish I Knew. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Goodman's band numbers have something in common with his horses. They never finish either. And now, uh, say, Portland, will you put down the red herringbone carpet for our guest? Who's coming tonight? Well, we have a great surprise tonight, Portland. Last week, as you possibly read in the papers, a New York policeman made his first appearance as an opera star at the Civic Center. He was a great success. Now, tonight, we have another unknown singing sensation. John Charles Muckenfutt. Does he work for the city, too? Oh, yes, for many years. John Charles Muckenfutt is known as the singing street cleaner. Well, where did you find him? Well, I was going down to see that new picture guest wife at the Criterion. Claudette Colbert is in it, and Donna Amici is also in the picture, and he doesn't invent anything. And I thought it might be a novelty to go in and see the picture. And as I arrived at the front of the theater, from behind a large can, I heard a beautiful voice. It was John Charles... Must be Mr. Muckenfuss now. Get ready. You take his broom and helmet, Portland. Okay. Come in. Uh, friends, uh, is this the Tenderleaf Pete program? Yes. Oh, it is? Oh, that's Peachy. <laughs> then you must be Fred Allen. Yes, that's yeah. true. Well, if you're Fred Allen, you're just the man I want to see, and well, well I don't exactly uh, want to see you either because you're not very pretty to look Now, at. wait a minute. Just wait a minute. Wait a minute, bud. Who are you? Well, I, I am Ursula Twain. Uh, yes, Ursula Twain. And I am a lawyer. You're a lawyer? Yes. Uh, do you want to feel my briefcase? Well, no, no. no. <laughs> I'll take your word well, for I, it. I am, I am a lawyer, all right. And my last case uh, was Dolt versus the Acme Poultry Market. The Acme Poultry? Uh, no, it was. Yes, it was. The yes. Acme, yes, all right. Yes, it was, yes. And my client, Mrs. Dolt, was buying a live chicken, and after the chicken had been weighed, it laid an egg. So what? Well, uh, the poultry market claimed the egg, and so I, I sued, and the court ruled caveat emptor, and so the egg was put back in the chicken. The egg was put back. Well, all right, so the egg is back in the chicken. What has all this got to do with me? Uh, well, you're, you're in grave trouble, Mr. A. Allen. Yeah, not exactly grave, either, because I don't think it'll send you that far. No. But, uh, no, but my client is, is suing. Your client? Yes, Charlie McCarthy. Uh, tonight, uh, you appeared on Edgar Bergen's program. On the protest, yes, that's and I didn't. True. And you said... This makes no sense, then. No, no, it said... (laughs) And you said uh, too much, and you said some very nasty things about Charlie, and you've just driven that little boy into a tizzy. Oh, I have, huh? Yes, and you're a very bad boy. Now, look here, Twain. You and Charlie McCarthy don't scare me. I'll fight this thing through to the Supreme Court, and if that doesn't work, I'll go right over Frankfurter's head straight to Mr. District Attorney. Uh, you can, as far as I'm concerned, you can go to, uh, straight to uh, now, uh, any, uh, no, anywhere you want. But I was here to, ser- to serve you with a, a subpoena. Uh, <laughs> a subpoena. And uh, if you, you had better, uh, you, you are ordered to appear in, in court next Sunday, and you had better be there too, Sparty. If you had anything left over from the other program, put it in here, you know. We can to appear in court, and what happens if I don't show up? Well, if you don't show up, uh, you know what happened to Pierre Laval? Boom, boom. Viva la Charlie McCarthy. <laughs> Charlie's really going to sue you, Mr. Well, Ballas. look at this summons here. It says trial will be held on this program next Sunday. Why, that little wooden runt. I ought to pull his legs off and make lollipop sticks out of them. I ought to go back over there again. This must be John Charles Muckenfuss, the singing street Say, cleaner. Say, it probably is. Come in. Well, who are you, son? I'm Frank Sinatra. 
I'm sorry I haven't time to talk now, son. I'm expecting John Charles Muckinfuss, the singing street cleaner. Well, Mr. Muckinfuss sent me over. See, he can't make it. He got an emergency call. A street cleaner getting an emergency call? On 10th Avenue. It was a rush job. Yeah. Here we are on the air, and our guest star is over on 10th Avenue performing a broomectomy. <laughs> well, Mr. Allen, Mr. Muckenfuss said maybe I could take his place. Well, I'm sorry, son. You know, this isn't one of those quiz programs where any schnook can come in off the street. <laughs> And take over the microphone. We only use stars. Yes, sir. It's uh, nothing personal, you understand? Oh, I understand, sir. We can only use people with talent. I have talent. Really? Yeah. Who said so? My mother. Oh. <laughs> well, tell me, would you, uh, would you step just a little closer to the microphone, son, if you will? <laughs> I'm sorry. Is this all right? Uh, just a little farther back, if you will, please. See, I don't seem to get the hang of it. No, it's a little difficult. Have you been on the radio before, son? Well, yes. I've been on once or twice. Oh, really? What did you say your name was again? Sinatra. 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 You're not related to Sam Sinatra. No. I used to know a Sam Sinatra up in New Rochelle. He was a glass blower in an optician's up there. If people came in with dirty glasses and couldn't see to get out of the store, Sam would blow on the glasses. No, I don't know Sam. No, I, I don't know him. I'm Frank Sinatra. You're Frank Sinatra. And you say you're in radio? Yes, I'm on for old gold cigarettes. Oh, are you the guy who squeezes the honey out of the apple on his No, you see, I do the scene. Frank Sinatra. Hey, you weren't formerly with the Yacht Club, boy. <laughs> I see a, a little brine on your lapel there. No, uh, I had sour pickle for lunch. Oh, did you? <laughs> You shouldn't eat pickles with those short arms, son. The dill drips on you. See, I have the same trouble with sodas, you know. I have a short neck and I can't reach the straw. Oh, really? You could... Well, how do you drink a soda? I pour it out, pour the soda out on the counter and lap it up. Oh, stupid. I lost that up. I... <laughs> I have short teeth. Every time I bite a hot dog, all I get is a mouthful of mustard. I... You know, once I knew a guy with a... What's I know a guy with a short nose? He couldn't smell anything unless he put his face in it. Oh, really? Well, this is all mighty, mighty interesting, Mr. Sinatra. Oh, Sinatra. Gosh, it's going to, it's going to disappoint millions of music lovers. John Charles Muckenfuss, the singing street cleaner, not here. I wonder how long he'll be over there on 10th Avenue. Uh, he said it looked like a long session. Long session, eh? The cowboys from Rodeo are parading. Muckenfuss... <laughs> Muck and Fuss may be tied up all night. Uh-huh. Yeah, and right here in the program, we're supposed to have a song. <clears throat> I can sing a number, Mr. Allen. Well, all right, son. We're stuck. You've got me over a barrel. What do you want to sing? Uh, how about it might as well be spring? All right, but uh, don't drag it out, son. I'll try my best. <laughs> Restless as a willow in a windstorm. I'm as jumpy as a puppet on a string. I'd say that I had spring fever, 
But I know it isn't spring I am starry-eyed and vaguely discontented Like a nightingale without a song to sing Why should I have spring fever When it isn't even spring I keep wishing I were somewhere else Walking down a strange new street Hearing words that I have never heard From a girl I've yet to meet I'm as busy as a spider spinning daydreams I'm as giddy as a baby on a swing I haven't seen a crocus or a rosebud Or a robin on the wing But I feel so gay in a melancholy way That it might as well It might as well be recognize you before. Why didn't you tell me? Gosh, how time flies to think that I started you on your career. Yeah, remember when I came to you for advice? Oh, you wanted to know whether you should take up singing or open a haberdasher store in Kansas City. Yeah, and you told me to stick to singing. Ah, who knows? If you had opened that haberdasher store in Kansas City, today you might be president. Oh, I couldn't be president, Fred. I can't play the piano. Oh, that's... Well, tell me, Frank... That singing you just did, is that the type of thing you're doing on the radio? Yes. Don't you think my style has possibilities, Fred? Yes, Frank, but you have to think of the future. You know you're not getting any younger, son. Mm-hmm. New boys are coming along. Perry Como, Dick Hames, Carmen Lombardo, Frank Munn, and the others. <laughs> I think I see what you mean, Fred. That where will I be 50 years from now? That's probably what your insurance company would like to know. But if we're going to stay in radio, Frank, there's only one kind of a program we can do when we're old men. Fred, you mean... Hillbilly. Mm-hmm. Frank, hillbilly singers don't ripen until they're 80. I know I've been in warm studios with... <laughs> but, Fred... Gee whiz, Sinatra hillbilly, after all. Ah, uh, don't worry, Frank. I can fix everything. I know the king of the hillbillies, Zeke Manor. Ah, uh, I can see it all, Frankie. Fifty years from now, 1995, we're broadcasting from a little two-watch station in Nutley, New Jersey. You and I are standing there in our bare feet, our, uh, with our floppy hats. Zeke Manor steps to the microphone and says, Howdy, folks. Zeke Manor's and his happy hillbillies are on the air. Let her rip. <laughs> Howdy, howdy, friends and neighbors. 
Keith Manners and the whole gang. The Hoosier Cold Cock, the Coon Creek Choir, Uncle Dead, Louie Bell, the Hokey Mountain Boys, and those healthily twins, Happy Sinatra and Uncle Hezzy Allen. First, I want you to meet Louie Bell. Here's a good example. Remember the letters FNE for flavor, nutrition, economy. Blue Bonnet Margarine gives all three flavor, nutrition, economy. Think of it, not just one, not just two. Blue Bonnet Margarine gives you all three. You get flavored, delicious flavor, so fresh, delicate, and country sweet that it makes other foods taste twice as good. You get nutrition, proved nutrition. Delicious Blue Bonnet is a real food, approved by nutrition experts. Rich in food energy and in vitamin A, too. And there's economy in using Blue Bonnet. It costs so little you can afford to spread... It's a product of the makers of Fleischmann's yeast. That fact alone tells you it's quality through and through. Remember, Blue Bonnet is the margarine that gives all three flavor, nutrition, economy. Ask for it tomorrow. Thank you, Kenny. This is Fred Allen saying good night, ladies and gentlemen. Our guest next week will be Edgar Bergen and the biggest court trial. This is the National here. Broadcasting. Thank you for listening. And thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. I hope you'll be with me next week as I uncover more gems from the golden age of radio. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a wonderful weekend. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.